0: I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California. We're here each Wednesday at this time for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us again. This and Today is a lovely day here in Sonoma Valley. Our uh, principal guest today, we hope, will be Pamela Cipriano, Dr. Cipriano. She's the president of the uh, American Nurses Association, and she's going to be with us to talk about how, how it happens that... Um, that nurses are are ranked as the number one professionals with the highest honesty and ethical standards, according to the public opinion uh, last week released by Gallup. 84% of Americans rated nurses... Uh, honesty and ethical standards as high or very high, surpassing the next closest profession, the pharmacist, by 17%. Pamela Cipriano is the president of the American Nurses Association and says the poll reflects the trust the public has in nurses and strengthens ANA's commitment to the four principles for the health system reform, access to health care, affordable and equitable care, quality of care, and workforce. So we anticipate she'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, and we'll, I urge our listeners to get ready to. If you have something you want to say to the president of the American Nurses Association, please be ready, because I think that she might be able to give us some insight in terms of the unfoldingness of uh, what's going on and what we anticipate coming down the road with the uh, the change of administrations. And there's quite a lot, as we, in the hearts and minds of many that I people that I speak with, in terms of people thinking about whether Paul Ryan's privatizing Medicare is the best idea or whether or not there's something about Medicare for all is a good idea or et cetera, et cetera. So I'd like to be able to see if we can get uh, Dr. Cipriano to kind of... uh, in addition to celebrating the situation of the ranking at the Gallup uh, poll, uh, it would be nice to have some a larger discussion about some of these other matters. So we'll hope she'd be willing to do that. And if you have thoughts and concerns about that, I urge you to get ready to call us. Again, our call-in number, as always, is 707-933-9133. And we'll probably take questions after about 5 or 10 minutes with Dr. Cipriano. So that said, uh, the uh, as you heard coming into this program, KSvy is the is a nonprofit bilingual community radio station, and we're completely supported by uh, the public, the local public, and and we don't receive any kind of government funding. So we are funded solely by uh, donations, radio and television sponsors, and partnerships, and also fundraising. So um, we urge you to go to ksvy.org and. Uh, make a pledge we could use your help. And we're very grateful for all our sponsors that are one of them being Sonoma Valley Hospital. And uh, we were hoping actually to have somebody from the hospital join us today when we were talking to the president of the American Nurses Association, but unfortunately the hospital couldn't spare somebody for us today, so we'll just linger we'll just soldier on as the saying goes. But speaking of the hospital, one of the things and while we're waiting for Dr. Cipriano to call the the hospital is, uh, has created a thing called the Community Care Network, and what they're doing is they're offering training for people who may be, want to become a community health coach. This is a volunteer p- position at the hospital, and they're inter- these are for people interested in their building skills and supporting community members t- to reach their health goals. Consider joining a team of, of hospital healthcare professionals and becoming a volunteer community healthcare coach. As part of the hospital community care network, um, you will you receive training to act as an advocate to help patients and families navigate the healthcare delivery system, which is, as many people know, is quite complicated uh, and is very overwhelming, particularly if you're not in the best of shape. So, to do this, uh, the healthcare coaches are uh, there are volunteers. And they can uh, help people with chronic conditions through home visits and follow-up phone calls and providing support, locating resources, and assisting with medical appointment logistics. So there's quite a lot of pieces to that puzzle. Uh, there's uh, actually a profession of health coaches that are navigated. They call them health navigators. And the I think the director of this program at Sonoma Valley Hospital actually is Pam Koppel, who is... Uh, actually one of the founders of the training at Sonoma State uh, for the professional people that do this. But this is, of course, a volunteer position. So there's no stipend, but the volunteers are will, will reimbursed for mileage. So for more information, if you're interested in that, exploring the idea of becoming a Sonoma community Healthcare coach, there's going to be a meeting on Wednesday, the, uh, January the 18th at 6 p.m. at the Shantz Conference Room at the Hospital, 347 Andrew Street here in Sonoma. For more information, given in our RVS VP. Here's our guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, this is Ned Hope.
0: It is indeed.
1: Hi, Ned. This is Pam Cipriano, President of the American Nurses Association.
0: Well, we're delighted to have you, uh, Pam. And uh, I just was letting, letting our listeners know that you were coming, and I talked a little bit about, you know, the, the promo that I got about your visit with us today. So it starts off with this sort of celebratory uh, thing about being uh, a Gallup poll, uh, number one rated uh, for honesty and ethical standards. Maybe start, uh, Pam, right away with what what does that actually mean and, and what does that tell our listeners?
1: Absolutely. So nurses have been now voted for the 15th year in a row, the most, as you said, honest and ethical professionals. And we're really proud of that because we know how important it is that when your health is at stake or you're in a really vulnerable situation, that there are professionals that you really put your trust in that you can rely on to take care of you and, and keep you safe. And so nurses are very honored to, to receive this recognition every year now uh, for, for many years because we really think it, it speaks to the relationship that nurses have Not only when you're sick, but when you're well and need in need of advice for staying healthy at home or getting better or managing medications or any of the things that that really keep us healthy and and happy.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people probably one of the reasons, of course, we're happy to have you for among among many reasons uh, is I think many uh, uh, people that I talk to and we don't know each other, so I'm I'm a physician as well. And, uh, but I'm an Oriental medical doctor, so I'm a little different system. But at the same time, I have you know many of the same concerns, and I, I noticed that many of the people that I know really don't regard nurses qu- in, in quite as professional a way as as would be proper, really. And and they many times they feel that nurses are not really. No, they're not doctors right they uh, and and so therefore they're, they're they have opinions of course as any other human beings all human beings do but they sometimes they feel that the nurses are not really as not as you know high in the ladder so to speak so they, they're not necessarily sh- sure but but my experience of working with nurses is is they're many of them are very very not only are they well educated but because they're in the firing line all the time they see things and they and they know sometimes a lot more practical things than physicians do so that's kind of a long-winded way of sort of inviting you to, to to sort of revalidate the professional standing of nurses and of course there's many many layer layer uh, layers and levels as, as you particularly know well so maybe you might share with our listeners a little bit about how it is that, you know, talk about the professionalization of nurses, which has really gone on pretty much in my lifetime, really, I mean, it, it in terms of it being on an academic level. So help us understand and sort of share with our listeners something about that, if you would, and sort of how it is now that nurses are really truly professionals uh, and, and and that they really are very dependable in terms of their, their healthcare opinions.
1: Well, Ned, you've really... Um phrase that very nicely and given a great overview and indeed nurses have much much more education than they used to in the past and it can be everything from uh, a college degree to a postgraduate masters or doctoral degree. So nurses have a vast amount of education and as part of of the uh, healthcare team they are an integral member and whether that is specifically delivering the care on the front lines that most of your listeners are accustomed to that when someone's in the hospital the nurse provides medication, helps them uh, get in and out of bed, tends to their daily needs, provides comfort, pain medication, um, advice, education, and really helps interpret what's, what's going on. But more than that, nurses are indeed professionals. They are, you know, academic professors. They are working in many, many parts of the industry, advising not only patients and families, but other decision-makers, like insurance company executives, about what's important, about the coordination of care uh, also, again, working very closely in teams with physicians and other professionals like pharmacists and therapists. And it is often the nurse who's on the front lines who picks up when there is a problem. And if it's something that the nurse can intervene and deal with, they will do that. And a lot of times the patient doesn't even know that they've put into place a life-saving action. Or they maybe bring something to the physician's attention or another member of the healthcare team. team. And, and I think one of the reasons that perhaps nurses are not as recognized for some of these great interventions is that they're very humble, and they often don't want the recognition or they say, oh, it was just part of the job. But it is these life-saving interactions and working or acting on on not just premonitions but really understanding that something is happening that can be, again, just really monumental for a patient's outcome or safety. But the other thing, too, is nurses really being able to understand the family dynamics and social situations. Situation of an individual or the presence of other uh, associated issues like behavioral health issues or substance use issues, really taking a good look at the entire situation of the patient. And they're the, really the only healthcare team member that traditionally occupies that role and, again, educates the rest of the team on what's, what's best for the patient and looks out for their needs. So, so I, I appreciate you bringing to the attention of your listeners as well that nursing has really evolved over many, many years. And the American Nurses Association has been in place for 120 years, and we we have continued to help advance the nursing profession, really with the ultimate goal of better serving the public. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, it, it says here the ANA's commitment to four principles of the health health system reform, access to care, affordable and equitable care, quality of care, and workforce. So those are some pretty big areas, and I, I would like us to take this chance to you know to to give some real uh, meat on on all that on all those topics but let's can we step back just a, a little bit and actually talk a little bit about you so our listeners get a feeling for kind of who you are because just the fact that you're the president of the American Nurses Association well Okay, uh, how did that happen, and, 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 and how did you become the senior managing, uh, senior director for healthcare for the management at Galloway um, Consulting and so on? You're, you've got an academic background, you've got a PhD, so let's talk a little bit about your kind of beginnings and how you found your way up into this very, very now high level of, uh, of a professional uh, nurses' medicine.
1: I would uh, start with, with letting our listeners know that uh, as a nursing student, I became very involved in the National Student Nurses Association, uh-huh. which is the organization that represents the interests of students. And I served as the first vice president and then the president, which really exposed me to many outstanding nursing leaders and really a better understanding of the health care system and the politics in this country. Mm. So I've now been a nurse for 40 years, registered nurse, and have had wonderful experiences and have had the opportunities him. To advance my education throughout all of that time and gaining multiple degrees, I have also been a volunteer in our professional association at the state level and at the national level and a number of other organizations that are key policy-making organizations in healthcare. care. And that's a really important part of being able to shape the direction of any kind of policy, whether it's a professional association or whether it's national health policy or the contributing policies you know within our communities, so that's been a very important part of my life and why why I've been able to also garner the support and confidence of other nurses to be elected to this role as president of the American Nurses Association. Mm -hmm. When I was in clinical practice, my area of specialization was primarily adult trauma and critical care. And then uh, I spent many years in administration at the executive level, uh, managing operations in four academic medical centers. So that would be all of the inpatient and outpatient areas, clinics, uh, uh, departments like radiology, laboratories, therapies, all of the, the nursing areas, chaplaincy, just everything that contributes to that broad healthcare team in partnership with our physicians.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, looking at your uh, uh, curriculum vitae reminds me of. Uh, when I was at UC Medical School in the first year of, uh, and I had a, uh, my lab partner in gross anatomy was Richard Carmona. And oh, my. He, and and Richard, uh, Richard had this sort of uh, passion and power that, that I read in your, in your uh, as, as, as curriculum vita. It's, it's You've obviously been very, very focused on doing what you're doing and 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 knowing Richard and and watching him go through the years and and you know coming on mm-hmm. to this becoming Surgeon General and all that uh, but it, it's so you you folks have really been able to you and, and 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 people like Richard have been able to really be active in terms of the but of course at a level that many of us really don't see it we don't we don't it, it's going on sort of beyond the sight of us of, of ordinary folks. And so um, it's it's fun every so often to get a, to to look at to some of your people like you and hear of your background and say whoa this is really an incredible background and yet you in your case you're you're still obviously very active in the in the in the functioning of the of the nurses area and not simply at an executive uh, executive level but coming back now to the, the issue of access to care obviously in today's world with all this upheaval in terms of the developing you know, fantasies that people are having about Obamacare, uh, let's talk about from an, from an access to care point of view, help our listeners understand a little bit about, as you've seen it over the, as the, un, un, the unfoldment of Obamacare has taken place, t- what, what do you have to say about how that's influenced access to, access to care? And, and as you look down the road a little bit and imagine what's coming at us, how do you see that too?
1: I, I really wish that all of the American people would understand how positive the impact of the Affordable Care Act, or what we call Obamacare, right. has been. I mean, just the threat of not having insurance has, has, was keeping people away from seeking health care. And, and that's one of the primary things that Obamacare did, was to bring health insurance. Now, yes, they had, people had to pay for it, but to have 20 million more Americans be able to have health care. So that means that people were able to not be afraid to get sick and and again that's just something that you certainly can can appreciate that people uh you know who put off seeing a physician or were having their immunizations done could be a really deadly decision yeah. with the ability to have insurance when you're not getting that insurance through your employer is one of the the really uh gems of the affordable care act but in addition we had one of the other key things was people who had a pre-existing condition were often denied insurance by uh, by insurance companies that was done away with a very very significant issue. So if someone had had cancer, and they changed employers. Their new employer wouldn't cover their health insurance, similar with uh, children that have had chronic conditions. And children uh, also being able to stay on their parents' insurance. We know there's there are gap years between finishing school and being able to get a, a good job with insurance. And so now young people can stay on their parents' insurance uh, until they're 26. Also, uh, the Medicare beneficiaries have had uh, other benefits where some of the preventive care is now paid for because of the Affordable Care Act and what used to be called the donut hole or the gap, in in medication payment uh, under the Section D of Medicare, that gap was closed. So those are really important provisions. The other aspect, the other side of that coin is the hospitals and emergency rooms and clinics that care for people who in the past didn't have insurance weren't getting paid for any of that care. So it's been a a boost to the providers as well. Mm -hmm. And all of those provisions are part of what... uh, groups like the American Nurses Association wants to see preserved because access to care means people are, are not only just going to be able to get care when they're sick but they're really going to be focusing on prevention and health as well and that's a really important part. If we're, if we're going to conquer the epidemics of uh, other diseases, you know, chronic diseases as well as things like the opioid epidemic in this country, people have to feel comfortable going to a health care provider and that economic comfort is a big part of it as well.
0: It is indeed and we, uh, Pamela, I hope will be willing to stay with us we need to take a public service break for just a moment we're listening sure. we're, we're visiting with pamela cipriano is that how it's pronounced yes uh she's president of the american nurses association please stay with us we'll be back with you in just a moment
2: Saturday, January 14th, it's Christmas Bird Counts for Kids. Join this birding tradition for a family-friendly outdoor birding celebration geared to youngsters ages 8 to 16. A participating adult per child is required, and some of the participating nature organizations will have separate activities for younger children ages 4 to 7. Based at the Sonoma Barracks, 20 Spain Street, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sponsored by Sonoma Birding, California State Parks, SSU Biological Outreach, and Sonoma County Regional Park. For more information, go to SonomaBirding.com. Programming for KSVY is brought to you in part by Larbre Automotive, Myers Financial, Tina Schoen, Broker Associate Sotheby's, Krista Granton Insurance Services.
0: And welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned today joined by Dr. Pamela Cipriano. She's the president of the American Nurses Association and we're Hoping to uh, go through quite a lot of material today, and I, before you join us, Pamela, I invited our listeners to call in should they have a question. I hope that's agreeable to you. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, coming back to the these four principles. Um, so we've talked about access to care, and you you've, you've shared with us your thoughts uh, uh, about the the, the the wonderful benefit that that uh, the Affordable Care Act has brought forward. So in terms of what was missing in that, in terms of your your perception and w- what's missing, and then also, I, I, what what are you seeing coming at us that either might make more missing or uh, kind of help us begin to see the future as well as the past? First, talk about what, what, what you saw that was most critically that was kind of missing still, as good as it was, and then looking forward, just i guess i'm asking kind of a sweeping general question is what what do you think is actually coming down the road at us so when what should we, what should be be preparing ourselves for
1: The Affordable Care Act, uh, as many people know, was a very large, comprehensive piece of legislation. Most people talk about the fact that it was over 2,000 pages. So you can imagine that implementing all the aspects of the law has been very complex. And even though it's been six years, I think we've recognized that there were some efforts that didn't work exactly as, as well as we would have liked. And so one of those areas is the health exchanges. Originally, there were some technical difficulties, but if you look at year over year, more and more people are signing up to get their insurance through the exchanges. Now, part of the, the problem of what didn't work is that uh, there are various provisions of the law that kick in over time, and one of those was called the individual mandate, and that is where the, an individual must purchase health insurance or face a fine. Well, we have a lot of young people who would be in the 25 to to 35 age range that have not purchased insurance, and I think part of it is that yes, it, it can be expensive depending on where you live, and most people in that age don't have any, many or any chronic conditions, and so they probably have a mindset that well, I can forego insurance, and then and then the penalty that one would face doesn't start until 2017, and in reality, the penalty is not very steep. So the effect that that has had, though, is that the insurance companies have more sick people signed up for insurance. And as you know, that way that market works, if you only have a lot of sick people covered, the overall rates of insurance go up. So that's why the, the pre- policies that are offered on the exchange have been met with some skepticism because they're more expensive than people had thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Until we can equalize that, um, that's still going to be a challenge. So that's that's one of the things that we know need, needed to be uh, adjusted. Mm-hmm. And and one of the ways that that was done in the law was to provide some subsidies, so that if you couldn't afford uh, your insurance but you wanted to buy it on the on the exchange, depending on your income, you could get some help from the government. The other major provisions within the Affordable Care Act, similar to previous. Conditions, particularly for the Medicaid program that's run through our states, is to make sure that individuals who are uh, unable to pay for their care have the safety net, have a way that they can get access to that care. And, uh, you know, only uh, less than half of the states expanded their Medicaid programs, even though the federal government has put 90 to 100 percent of the cost uh, for that care in the Affordable Care Act. So that continues to be a very hot political football as to whether states would increase their Medicaid coverage for poor people. And that program actually funds more than just poor people. It funds a, a number of uh, children's services, disabled services, and nursing home services for poor elderly. So those programs um, have have really been uh, under attack. And you know, you asked what's coming down the road. I'm very concerned, as are my colleagues with the uh, news that we hear every day about the desire to repeal the affordable care act however we know that the initial actions that are being talked about right now for the new congress are are really budget resolutions that would strip away the funding that allows some of these very important programs to go forward if you take away the The funding, the programs can't exist. So we're very concerned that those 20 million people who've signed up for insurance will find themselves without insurance. Mm -hmm. And elderly individuals may, in fact, have some of their coverage uh, altered as well. And states who have been covering the the less fortunate may be uh, now in a position where they've enrolled a lot of people in Medicaid, but the federal subsidy dollars are gone. So there are some dangerous changes that are proposed. Again, we recognize that, that the law is not perfect, but we, we don't believe it should be a, uh, the, the subject of political attack. It ought to be very reasoned, smart people sitting down to say, okay, how do we make the health care system better and stronger and more efficient, and let's have everybody at the table. Consumers have a stake in this, as do our providers, as do the payers. So let's do this rationally without stripping away the things that we know are really positive from Obamacare.
0: Well, well said, and and of course we certainly hope that that uh, s- some of the dark forces we, uh, we, we to call them that in terms of the people who choose to who have these uh, uh, these uh, austerity kind of principles are are uh, uh, dissuaded from uh, in enacting some of the consequences of that of that intense austerity. Um, so. Where does that, in terms of the American Nurses Association, where does that leave you as the president or your organization in the Medicare for All discussion? Because, because of course, it's, it's, it seems like to many people almost kind of a no-brainer. Why, why, would, why would anybody be for something else, I mean, w- w- it, given all that is? So do you have any, I mean, I imagine you probably have some kind of a policy statement on that, but in a, in a few words, what is your thought about Medicare for All?
1: Well, we're not you know there, there could be many different models that would work. Medicare for all would work. But I think it goes back to the basic principles. Can we create a system that has a, a standard package of benefits for all citizens? and everyone will have access to those benefits. And again, if we think about Medicare, that's essentially how that works right now. And then we also need a balance between community-based services and preventive services along with sick care services. Mm-hmm. If we don't prevent disease, we're gonna end up with a lot of people that consume lots of resources not only throughout their life, but substantially at the end of life. And so we really want to make sure that we are using healthcare resources and services very economically, because again, everybody has skin in this. And so, so whether, whether it's, a, it's a prototype of the Medicare system for all, or another uh, you know, new model, a revised model that, that resembles that, I think the goal is to make sure that everyone has access to equitable and affordable uh, healthcare services that include a, a broad range of essential benefits.
0: It sounds like a, a polite way of 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 saying that you're pretty much for single payer is that am i hearing you correctly
1: Historically, we have supported single payer, but recognize that uh, in in the political environment, that right. is probably not achievable for quite a long ways down the road at this point.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So we won't we, we won't we won't hold you to that particular language. But it what it sounded like, if you're going to get affordable and equitable care, and 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 broad access to care, and and have a you know quality care, it seems to me that uh, well. Uh, the single payer seems to be sort of almost the only model that seems to be the one that that of the people that I've spoken to over the years. But coming coming back to the issues of of uh, other some other issues now, I, perhaps you saw the article in Atlantic, for instance. In other words, you you talked about how the the nurses are are um, uh, you know re- regarded as fostering honesty and ethical standards, but at, at the same time uh, the. I understand by reading the, this article in the Atlantic, for instance recently that talked about how nurses are getting battered a great deal um, in their in the one in four nurses, I guess, on an annual basis are subjected to some violent uh, violently attacked. and there's a whole discussion about, how the um, hospital patients are attacking the staff at an alarming rate and there's no federal regulations requiring employers to provide any protection. So does the American Nurses Association have uh, something to say about that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, last year, we updated a policy on violence, incivility, and bullying, uh, with a, a very clear statement on zero tolerance. Mm-hmm. Not only is this an issue for nurses, but it's really an issue throughout the healthcare system, as it is in other fields and other industries. But but it is also uh, steeped in a in a very high stress environment. So we believe not only is it important that we keep our our patients safe, but that we keep our staff safe. And one of the things that that we Focus on in our in our position paper is that it is not just uh, patient or visitor interactions with staff that sometimes lead to violence, incivility, and bullying, but it is staff to staff interaction. So we lay out strategies for employers and their professionals and, and uh, overall staff to work together, to, again, to have zero tolerance and to have training and policies that really help people understand what's happening, recognize it, diffuse it, and and not tolerate it at all. Because it, it is not only uh, demoralizing for individuals, it can be, you know, again, very life-threatening. And it's also unsafe for patients because we need we need our staff to be at top performance. And when that those conditions are not present in the work environment, it, it threatens. Patient safety. So it's a very important part of our platform of keeping patients stay safe and keeping our workers safe as well, and not just safe but satisfied. Because there is a increasing level of burnout, not just among nurses but physicians uh, and others. Because again, uh, healthcare is a pretty high stress uh, workplace.
0: It's, it's been my experience. Um, it it seems like it's well. It's the, in California. Apparently, they they just came up with a, a really tough guidelines for obligating healthcare employers to develop uh, tailored uh, violence prevention plans for each workplace uh, with the, with employees input so does the American Nurses Association have like a sort of a standard sort of uh, a mock law or, or, or do, do you lobby it to that effect or how did, in other words it's one thing to have sort of principles that sound that sound completely appropriate and, and, and useful but how do you actually effectuate and and, and move forward the, the thinking that you just shared with us
1: yeah, we do ha- have supported uh, federal legislation that speaks to uh, a safe work environment, mm-hmm. and knowing that not a lot of legislation has gotten passed, you know, we'll continue to promote that and educate our legislators about how important it is to have a safe and ethical uh, work environment. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: another thing that is um, seems to be over and over a, a kind of a big. Um, a big deal in California and of course you're in I guess Silver Springs Maryland um, or in Washington D.C. area anyway and uh, we're we're constantly having um, lots and lots of of strikes that are going on uh, Kaiser and other various hospitals so over and over and over we hear uh, st- staffing, uh, patient load, conversations, and that kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about how the American no- Nurs- Nurses Association deal with the the the. I, I don't know if, if CNA is part of your network or the, the California Nurses Association, or or it, or how how do you how are you plugged into? And since we're here in California, let's to speak to that. How are you plugged into our state area, and how do you participate, if at all? In terms of assisting the process of these, uh, what seem to us to be people like me, it seems to us to be fairly root, almost routine strikes and and a lot of noise being made, a lot of times by the nurses to for all kinds of what seemingly uh, uh, good and sound reasons. But how does the American Nurses Association intersect with that, if if they do at all?
1: Yeah. So, Ned I have just a couple minutes left with you. Yes, ma'am. Um, the the California Nurses Association used to be part of the American Nurses Association, but split away um, many many years ago. I see. We do have a group in California. It is the American Nurses Association California. I see. That is uh, pro- professional nurses, and w- and throughout the American Nurses Association, we do have. Uh, five of our states that do represent nurses for collective bargaining mm-hmm. and I think every one of them would tell you that what's most important is to have an effective contract and good communication and relationships to avoid strikes mm-hmm. no matter what what happens I mean it's a, it's a very important part that we really want to have productive working relationships with employers and this and the key issue that you hit on staffing is probably at the top of that list on mm-hmm. a regular basis mm-hmm because staffing keeps patients safe, and it keeps the nurses safe, and it, and it allows them to to be able to provide the care that they really want to provide. Uh, and you have to have the right number of nurses there that have the right education and, and experience, because that's what's going to make the difference in, in making sure that we get great patient outcomes.
0: And uh, Pamela, tell our listeners about your website and kind of how our listeners might be able to take advantage of what's available on your website. And uh, sort of help us close out in that kind of way so we know how other people who might want to reach out and understand the positions and the situations of the American Nurses Association. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's obviously it's going to be online, so it's going to be available to anybody, but well, how could the general public take advantage of your website, for instance?
1: Our website is nursingworld.org and there are some resources on that website that uh, individuals can access and also c- can contact ANA California you mm-hmm. know in terms of uh, finding a resource that might be you know closer to home but we will continue to be reaching out particularly in 2017 with consumer groups so I so I would uh, ask your listeners to tune in and really understand that we're going to be doing a lot more in in this upcoming year to have even more consumer-friendly information.
0: Well, you've been uh, wonderful to join us today. Pamela Cipriano, Dr. Cipriano, the president of the American Nurses Association, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. So we will take a break, and we'll be back with you in just a moment.
2: A better dance now. Here's a good way to shake off that extra holiday chubbiness. The Sonoma Library is helping shake off the holiday diet of cookies and nog with free YMCA Family Boot Camp classes. On Tuesday, December 27th, Family Boot Camp is designed to provide a wide variety of interval training, body weight-based strength building exercises, and stretching for fun. The invigorating workout is for the whole family ages 8 and up. Pre-registration is required. Please contact at the library at 996 or stop by the library at 755 West Napa Street to register. Programming for KSVY is brought to you in part by Body Best Collision Center, Larbre Automotive, Tina Schoen, Broker Associate, Sotheby's, Krista Granton Insurance Services.
0: And welcome back to Health Matters, Dr. Ned Hoke uh, carrying on. Uh, we, were, we just had a lovely visit with uh, Dr. Pamela Cipriano, the president of the American Nurses Association. It was lovely to visit with her. Um, and uh, for more information, of course, you can go to their website. Um, but apparently the, this this Gallup poll said that 84% of Americans rated nurse Nurses with the highest eth- honesty and ethical standards, surpassing the closest profession of pharmacists by 17 percentage points. So that's quite something, I guess. And I guess that the um, – uh, this is, of course, why Dr. Cipriano was out out and about being willing to spend time with us. So it was lovely to have her and to hear some of her thoughts. Uh, now to transition, we're we're. Um, I wanted to uh, again mention that at Health Matters, we hope to grow and become a regular feature on Health Matters broadcasts. The stories from everyday people about what is it? Guess 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 what it is? Health Matters. We we want personal stories about health and healing events in their lives and those of their families and loved ones, so we all can hear the inside stories about what seems to be a what seems to really matter. Uh, what did our storytellers learn about health and healing? What professional or lay uh, services did well or less so? Often we're in the dark when a big health event occurs. If we take time to listen to each other, we become better prepared. Our Health Matters production team is inviting all listeners with a good, honest, and useful story to tell to let us know please send us an email message with Health Matters stories in the headline, and we'll get back to you promptly. We look forward to hearing from you. Stories can be confidential without uh, accurate names. They just need to be based on truth and honesty. And we're not trying to sell anything. We're not trying to beat the drum for any particular thing. We're trying to be a public service. So if, in fact, you've had a unique personal story about a healthy, health and healing event, we'd be interested in having that information information. Our health matters uh, email is health matters, you know, is ksvyhealth at gmail. Again, ksvyhealth at gmail. Okay, so there's that. Now, um, getting ready for today, I was looking around, to, in addition to having Dr. Cipriano for our guest, I wanted to um, add another feature to the program, and I came across a a, I guess it's a it's, I don't know if it's a blog post exactly, but it's it's called um, Let's see it's almost here in my hand. Anyway, a woman named um, from a woman from Berkeley named what's her name? Katie Lockert Lockert. I'm I'm still trying to get the right piece of paper to make this work. So it's coming, but I'm not there yet. Oh, here it is, Katie Lanka Lanka L O N C K E. She's a co-director of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. She posted this online I sent her an email And I asked her If it was okay to read it And I'm hoping it is Because I'm going to read it Because it touched me And I wondered If it might touch you This is just a personal reflection From this uh, She's like I say She's co-director Of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship This week visiting home I pulled I'm pulled to revisit Family picked papers Today under Trump's ascendancy I am the exact age As my maternal grandfather was When Hitler rose to power Maybe there's something in here I can use. Grim and stiff-jawed, I I review the delicate handwriting, the difficult names, Auschwitz, Dachau, Buchenwald. Following his initial arrest and Kristallnacht, my opa was shuffled for the next seven years among the most infamous Nazi concentration camps. His skills as an auto mechanic made him valuable enough to keep him alive for a while. Nothing white nationalist like Trump would might tolerate a certain population of enemy races as long as they're performing cheap labor. Uh, jaw and chest continue to tighten. Next, I pull a copy of his old passport, dated 1945, shortly after liberation of the death camps. I've seen his photo multiple times before, but suddenly I notice something new, a small smile. The eyes, dark, ringed, and haggard behind wire-rimmed glasses show the story I know, the pain and haunting I've come to expect but also I see this guy's got a Mona Lisa kind of thing going on he would go on to marry my Oma have two children cross the Atlantic Ocean on a refugee ship on a colonized land in California he would root for the Dodgers join a union and die peacefully in his own home at the age of 93 I don't know what he was thinking and feeling in 1945 but I do know that I was carrying assumptions that blocked me from fully beholding him uh, Holocaust equals all bad. Every minute, every after, no room for smiles anywhere in these artifacts. No, to- not totally unreasonable, right? And yet, I, when I slow down and loosen my grip on my preconceptions, an entirely different face appears. I gain a gr- greater intimacy with reality, and this means a better ability to respond. I'm going to take another break. I'll be back with you in just a No, I've taken the break. Forget it. I'm sorry. Can we wake up together by opening to the unexpected? This is her this is now in big print in her presentation here. Can we wake up together by opening to the unexpected? Buddha's teachings helped me realize over and over that there's more to life than my habituated mind tends to anticipate. This is extremely useful to remember, particularly in social justice realms where it's easy to get fixated on a roller coaster of highs and lows. One minute we're celebrating a precious hard-win victory, the next we're reeling from the evidence of human cruelty and the impending doom for countless species. It's all real and it's exhausting. We're like the poor uh, jerked around neighbor in the Zen parable of the farmer who lost his horse. One day, an elderly farmer's only horse ran away. His neighbor came over to offer condolences, but the farmer replied, Who knows what's good or bad? Surely the next day the horse returned, followed by other wild horses he had befriended. Now the neighbor offered congratulations. What good luck! Who knows what's good and bad? came the same reply. The next day, while trying to train the new horses, the farmer's son was thrown, breaking his leg. Such a shame, said the neighbor. Same answer from the farmer. Who knows what's good and bad? And of course, a week later, the soldiers arrived in town to, to conscript the young men for war. The broken leg saved the farmer's son from being drafted. In a dangerous Donald Trump era, a Buddhist uh, vision, strike that, a Buddhist wisdom, makes no false promises of triumph, nor does it prescribe specifically policy solutions. What it can do is help us remain awake, compassionate and willing to keep going. I guess that's why I like this, this presentation. Willingness to keep going. This is no small thing. For those of us drawn to social justice, the ability to hold steady amidst uncertainty might improve our movement contributions in key ways. Wiser new consumers. When we are awake, compassionate, and willing to keep going, we can listen more deeply to what's missing from the news. We can gradually identify which sources we trust and why. We can seek out hidden voices from Syria, for instance, persistently shifting through oversimplified good versus evil news narratives coming out of Aleppo, connecting with stories and analysis from Syrians themselves in pursuit of freedom. Humbler and smarter tacticians. When we are awake, compassionate, and willing to keep going, we can evaluate evaluate our strategies and move soundly. We can admit when certain tactics will not work. Flooding uh, Trump's mo- uh, Muslim registry with decoy signups from allies—an idea that gained traction among tens of thousands of non-Muslim progressives for a minute—turns out to be um, infeasible. Every, even President Obama's move to dismantle the precursor to the Muslim registry, is largely symbolic. Still, we don't despair. Humility and honesty about what doesn't quite work frees us up to pursue what does. This applies to our inner life, too. Sometimes we cling to dysfunctional strategies for happiness, insatiable cravings for what's pleasant, cynical misery over what's unpleasant, and sticking our head in the sand to avoid it all. Bit by bit, we let go of these uh, patterns. We, we find release. We become a little more free to discover deeper, t- unconditioned forms of liberation. Three better friends, cooperators, and accomplices. When we are awake, compassionate, and willing to keep going, we can show up more fully in our social movement relationships. Relationships, after all, form the foundation for trust for all our efforts toward peace and justice. Awakening and compassion is already showing up in profound ways all around us. U.S. veterans kneeling and apologizing to indigenous elders at Standing Rock for participating in Native genocide, organizing and truth-telling by incarcerated people and their families, inspiring activists of all walks to heal toxic cultures of punishment and disposability, coming to terms with our human-induced sixth-mass extinction, sixth-mass extinction, fueled by violent industrial growth and addiction to conquest, Can we ever make amends with all the precious forms of life our systems will wipe out? Let's not assume the worst, give up and shut down. Let's also not encase our hearts in ossified optimism, rigidly insisting that things will work out. Slowing down, paying close attention, holding one another, let's ready ourselves for the unexpected, including room for small surprising smiles, even in hard times. I hope you'll join us at the Buddhist Peace Fellowship in 2017 as we gather digitally and in person to grow together the intersections of Buddhist wisdom and social justice thanks for sharing your heart and courage with us that's written by Katie Lok Lanka the co-director of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship and I really just loved it when I read it in my mailbox so I read it to you I hope that was somehow was touching and useful for you as well so, coming back to today, not that we really left today, but again, let's come back to the issue of supporting KSVY. This is a big topic. How would we be talking to you if we didn't get some support? Now, support can come in many ways. We could be You can go online and just give us money. You could provide a sponsor. Now, many people are regular listeners who listen to Health Matters Radio. You don't have to be too proud. We'd be happy to have you as a sponsor. Or partnerships and fundraising. Uh, there's lots of ways to support KSVY, and we hope you, you'll be willing to do that. We are, after all, a nonprofit bilingual community radio station, and we're completely adopted by the Sonoma community. We have over 60 volunteer hosts from the uh, Sonoma area with varying interests and life views. Uh, KSVY's programming is free of the constraints of commercial interest. And the world is listening. Locally, listening, listeners are tuning into KSVY unique programming at home, in the car and at work. Beyond Sonoma's borders, listening, uh, listeners are tuning in to the Internet, streaming KSVY over their computers, and the new KSVY app Time and place offer no constraints. What are listeners tuning in for? What can they find on KSBY that they can't find anywhere else? Exactly what the visitors of the Valley of the Moon have known for decades. They can find Sonoma. I guess, yeah. We are unique in our geography, our cultures, our food, our views, and our people. We know there is no place like Sonoma. Mm, that's that's chest beating. And, I, and, and as do a multiple, multitude of visitors to our area every year, KSVY offers what no one else has, distinctive community programming with Sonoma flair. That is quite bold. KSVY stands alone in its ability to bring what's best about Sonoma to its community and the world. We are beating our chests. KSVY is unique in its ability to convey not only locally, but regionally, nationally, even globally what is distinctive about Sonoma? Its people, places, and events. This is an invitation to you, listeners, to join us in this journey, to become a uh, a member, to uh, become a supporter, to become a partner to this radio station and this program, particularly our Health Matters Radio here at Sonoma Valley. So, uh, I would be eager to hear from you about your thoughts on becoming a, uh, particularly a member of the Health Matters uh, part of the KSVY family. We'd like to honor you in some way or another that would be appropriate. But we'd be happy to have some additional support. So please, ksvy.org is a place for, the beginning place to look for how to provide some support to us. Now, coming back to the, uh, well, let's see, not coming back, let's go forward. Um, Coming up, and I don't have it scheduled yet, but there is a, a, for our old, old listeners, this is quite some time ago, we, we had a, a man on named David Hanscom, Dr. Dr. David Hanscom, and he wrote a book called Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap, a Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain, and uh, this is quite, a, 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 it, we had him on before, and this is a, a new edition of the book. This is the second edition, and it's uh, very an, an imp- quite improved, I would say. Um, he tells a story of of how he himself um, had a chronic pain situation and how he learned to solve it. And some of his chapter titles sort of tell the story. I'm, in fact, I'm just as soon as I leave this station, I'm going to go work with somebody that has a chronic back pain. As a matter of fact. And I'm going to hand him this book And I'm going to ask him I said, "I want you to read the chapter titles The section titles Because I think if you are asking me To do everything for you And you don't understand what your role is you, We will not get the results that we need for you So what are those chapter titles? The Pathways into Chronic Pain The Source of Your Pain Embedding uh, Pain Pathways The Modifiers, Sleep and Anxiety The Unique Modifier, Anger process stress, awareness, stimulating your brain to change, neuroplasticity, the roadmap out of pain, embarking on your journey, stage one, laying the foundation, learning about what's affecting your pain, beginning expressive uh, writing, practice active meditation, programming. Step four, don't share pain, don't share your pain, reprogramming sleep reprogramming next forgiveness and play uh, reactive and creative steps to reconnecting to your creativity awareness stage uh, uh, chapter 12 St- moving forward commit to daily practice create a safe haven family get organized connect with life the life you want your vision ask three questions so this fellow, has written a very thorough uh, discussion about the whole uh, whole picture of pain, and we'll be uh, we'll, we'll get a chance to visit with David uh, sometime upcoming. So if you're interested in that and you want to uh, know when it's on, send, send me an email at Health at gmail, and I'll be happy to get back to you. Um, I should mention also next week again, hoping that uh, Teresa Russo will again be with us doing her Dream Weavers program, which has been very popular over the years. She's been with us now at Health Matters for, gosh, it's got to be three or four years now. So for those of you who do have dreams and wish to talk with somebody about or listen to people who are sharing their dreams and stories and listening to um, Teresa's uh, insightful guidance in terms of the topic, again, that's Dream Weavers, which is the uh, the Dreamweaver is part of Health Matters, which is once a month, usually the first, most often the first uh, Thursday of the month. So that's coming up next week, we hope. And I've got a bunch of things coming up down the down the road, S. Uh, we've got a wonderful um, thing coming up on Heart, which I'm very eager to share with you. So again, try to um, pay attention to uh, what's uh to what we've got coming up, and I'll try to I'll try to do better at at, 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 at um, listing things so that you can be a, 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 aware in advance of what which ones would be, be important to you. So we need to sign off. So if you cannot pacify your spirit and let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry, but keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your desires at low levels. That's the basic guidance of the Yellow Empress, Classic of Internal Medicine, the basic book of Chinese medicine. Our health matters motto still is, health care isn't a noun, it's a verb. Tune us in again next week. Until next week, I bid you well.